0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of your Manchester United Fix with myself, Ben Ibsen, and my good friends, Brad Cox. Now, for the first time ever in our short podcasting history, every single Manchester United team played a game of football this week. If you want to include the first team, you might say that they played two games with that training match against Burnley on Tuesday. But from the under 16s right up to the women's team, they all played a game of football, which gives us plenty to get our noses into and get chatting about as well. But there's no better place to start than the game that happened only a matter of hours ago. Brad, give me your thoughts on that 1-1 draw with Southampton.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting game to say the least because it looked like a Manchester United um, that was struggling at times, that was lacking creativity. Uh, But then it seemed to come all together in the second half for about a brief 15-20 minute spell. Which is when when United managed to find an equaliser through Mason Greenwood, um, but other other than that spell that they were they were below par uh, on Sunday, um, but with with probably the standout player being yet again Paul Pogba, he was at it once again. He got his fifth assist of the year already in two games' time. I mean I mean that speaks for itself really, uh, and it, I believe it's halfway to his best tally ever in the Premier League, which is obviously ten. Um, if, if any of you aren't very good at maths like myself, I had, had to look that one up. <laughs> uh, but, the uh, yeah, on the, on t- in terms of the result, I think a lot of the players and the staff will definitely see it as two points dropped for the Gunnar Solskjaer side. And I, I tweeted it about 80 minutes throughout the, uh, throughout the game. I was saying that this is the sort of result that Manchester United fans will probably look back on in April or May and think, that's two points dropped, and then... That's, you know, who who knows where those two points could have could have got them to. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens in April or May. But yeah, it was definitely two points dropped and they weren't up to their usual standards that they set very highly last weekend against Leeds. Well, that's
0: the question that lingers over a fixture such as this one. Because Southampton, you don't know where they're going to be come the end of the season. They might be in the relegation zone. They might have just avoided that. But if they are one of them teams that get relegated and you play on early, early on in the season, then... It is seen as two points drops. Whereas usually people ask the question, at what point of a season do you start to get good knowledge of where the teams are at? And a few people say, Oh, the first international break or or just before Christmas, you get a good knowledge of what every level of every single team. But you two games into a season and you play a team like that where you should be going there and picking up the points. Or even though we know it's not easy going there, as the Cavani Masterclass saved us last time. But early on in the season, you don't know where the team's at, what levels they're going to be playing at this season. You think it is huge points dropped, I and mean, they could have been six points in two games after the fantastic start against Leeds.
1: Yeah, and I think that's interesting that you mentioned that actually, because. Um, you know, this Southampton side, you know, uh, probably very unlikely to, but they could be fighting for a Champions League spot come April or May and it might look like a good point on the road. You never know. You you just never know in the foot in the footballing world. Especially Is that you being optimistic. I it could be, it could be. I maybe I'm maybe I'm a a Saints supporter deep down in my heart. I've found a love for the Saints and optimism for them. Uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, maybe it could be a could be a good point on the road for Manchester United. You never know. Uh, but one thing it does do is keep the unbeaten away record going. I mean, you've got the stats. Go on, tell us, what, tell us what it is then. Twenty-seven successive away game in in the Premier League believe
0: is an English footballing record. Yeah, top-flight English football record, which is incredible. But I understand it's a great run, but should have maybe won today's game i know yeah you can take positives out of every situation and it is fantastic wolves next up away again they'll look to extend that once more but it depends on the sort of situation you're in really if it's middle of the season and you're on this run sort of like city did last year where you're on that run and every little bit of positivity helps this run to pick up points when you're at the beginning of a season you sort of you just want to be winning all your games anyway it doesn't really matter if oh You're dropping points there, but you're still unbeaten. I do understand that, and I do understand it makes good reading for the stats, for the Manchester United fans. But at the end of the day, two games into a season, six points looks a lot better than four does. And gaps can start to create themselves very, very early on. And it's about keeping up with the pack or being ahead of the pack. And I think, although it is a very good statistic, it's something that they're going to have to continue throughout the season and hopefully turn these draws into wins.
1: Yeah exactly and Solskjaer said last season with the unbeaten run was picking up some momentum he was like yeah but it doesn't matter we we, we drew to West Bromwich Albion one one today so um, he, he knows it doesn't matter and he knows he, he would definitely prefer six points rather than four who wouldn't um, but I thought today there was um, there was almost a reoccurring sign that Manchester United is still not quite at it you know we've seen other results this weekend Liverpool easing past Burnley at home um, City cruising past Norwich, um, and, and I fully do. I you know, despite what I said earlier about Saints almost you know fighting for the Champions League, it was a bit of a joke in there. Uh, but I do I, I do have them down to be relegated. So so in, if you were to look at that in May, and they are relegated, and United only took a point away from home against them, then you'd probably say that's not a very good point at all. Um, and you know, Norwich will be favourites to go down as well. And City are putting five past them, so it is a kind of a little bit of a sign as to what Manchester United should be doing. They should be putting more past this this Saints defence. That's lost um, Vestergaard, who's gone to Leicester. You know, he was a he was a key player for them. Uh, and they, they were also without Danny Ings, But they still they still managed to uh, Cause Manchester United some issues today So it's not like it was a bad Saints side You know, Armstrong had a very good Had a very impressive game And at times, you know, the link-up play Between James Ward-Prowse and Armstrong It looked like they could have even Pushed for three points themselves It Towards the end of the game It was looking more like that the uh, Southampton team Were going to come away with three points Rather than Manchester United Which is something you wouldn't have expected to say Before the game, would you? Absolutely not, but I'm pretty sure the, the best chance of the game did fall to Southampton,
0: but it was a good save by De Gea. I mean, it wasn't the best strike, but then again, it works both ways. But I think there's one thing, and we briefly touched this on last week's podcast when we said beat Leeds 5-1, but it's the way that Leeds play. They come out at you, they attack, they create gaps where you can exploit, you've got the likes of Bruno Pogba, they're going to find them gaps with the passes. Whereas today, Southampton are a lot, a lot more of a solid side, set in their shape hard to break down and I think that is where we're going to struggle throughout the season, we might play Chelsea City, Liverpool might get points against them and the games that we struggle with Watford, the Watford's away Southampton's away, if that makes sense the smaller teams that are hard to break down, but anyway before we talk any more about that I want to talk about their goal rather than ours and was it a foul or not because I personally missed this, I was too busy going to get Gary Pallister's Chinese at Old Trafford and I came back And I heard people outside the Superstore saying, it's 1-0, it's 1-0. And I was like, surely not. Got back, saw the replays of what would have been a foul, maybe in some cases, obviously not given. They went on a fortunate goal on their behalf. But I want to get your thoughts on that.
1: I thought it was was a very interesting one because um, I think personally, Fernandez has gone down too easily um he's been he's been easily shrugged off the ball um, um and and he's got his back to he's got his back to where he you know he's supposed to be turning and starting an attack but he kind of just keeps going towards his own goal in a way and he's inviting the pressure he's you know you know this phrase looking for a foul you know he's drawing in a foul he is drawing one in and it basically determines whether you think drawing in a foul be- is an actual foul or not, or whether you're asking for it. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, So based off of my personal opinion on what a foul is in football, I would say no, Bruno Fernandes was not fouled. But based off going off consistency of what referees give week in, week out, or, or or to goalkeepers, for example, you know, barely a touch on a goalkeeper, that's a foul. If you were to do that to a goalkeeper from a floating ball into the box, that's a foul every single day. So I think consistent on a consistent basis, I think the referee should have given a foul. But what determines a foul is very interesting and, and that's up to personal opinion. So I personally believe that Fernandez was looking for a foul. He's gone down too easily. And then, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said in his press conference afterwards, these players went to sleep at the back and uh, they, were, they were made to pay.
0: I'd say one thing that if Bruno he was looking for the foul it's where he had the ball in that type of the pitch I think you're going to do that to release the pressure if he'd have got his body in front of the ball a little bit more and made him come through I can't remember who the player was who who, who potentially fouled him but if he'd have come through him a little bit more he had his body turned towards the goal like that he would have come through him and won the free kick but yeah like I said a little bit too easy and then you go and yeah it was a fortunate goal Fred got his toe on it and it ended up misjudging day and went in but that's football isn't it we went up there the other end Greenwood again gets the equaliser for us after a lovely bit of play from Ogba and Bruno again you must say falls Greenwood takes his chance he's probably not going to complain about how it went in because it went in didn't look the best shot but he's not complaining
1: no he won't be complaining at all and you know Greenwood's now got two and two so he's his confidence will be uh, sky high, and when you look at his, uh, when you look at the uh, how he's playing this this campaign compared to the start he had to last year's campaign, then you can say he's a different player altogether. You know, he's playing, he's playing with confidence. He's, he looks stronger, and I think maybe pulling out of the England squad for the Euros is one of the best decisions he's ever had, and potentially Manchester United may have ever had because it's given him that time to get a bit of get a bit of weight behind him. Have a nice break because, you know, he played a lot of football last year. And I know he's young and I know there's Pedri on Barcelona who's played a ridiculous amount of games in so-and-so days. But, you know, these players do, do need a bit of a rest at times. And I think it came at the right time for, for Mason Greenwood uh, over the summer. And I think I think he played really well today um, in, in a side that didn't look too confident um, going forward. Uh, and, and we'll get on to more about it, but I just don't think I don't I don't think uh, many people, many attackers will be pulling him out of the team um, if if he's to continue this type of form, and that includes Edinson Cavani or Jaden Sancho or Marcus Rashford. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm pretty sure that it's eight in his last ten Premier League games for
0: Greenwood, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think you hit the nail on the head saying that it takes a lot for a player to stand there and say, Look, I don't want to represent my country at this tournament. I want to focus on myself, have a good preseason, rest my legs whilst train my legs, and hit the ground running, which is exactly what he has done. From one England international to a French international, Paul Pogba touched on his five assists, but how good again was he today?
1: Yeah, he was excellent, and uh, like you said, the five five assists in two games, but he also should, almost had a goal, almost found the winner late on. Uh... Uh, with that, with that left-footed strike across uh, McCarthy and goal, and that that was close. You know, that was similar actually. You'd you'd have almost actually wished for it, that to be Greenwood on the ball because that's a similar position that Greenwood scored from uh, against Leeds. So I thought that was interesting actually. But Pogba nearly nearly squeezed it into the bottom right corner, uh, which would which would have just set those away fans on fire. Like they were right behind that goal, so they would have seen it coming at them. Uh, obviously, away fans, first time watching their team in a Premier League game uh, for, for, for over 500 days, I think it is now. So they, they would have uh, en- enjoyed that had it gone in. But um, yeah, they, they, it wasn't meant to be for Man United. But going back to Pogba's performance, uh, he, he showed glimpses of, of last uh, last week's performance. Uh, and at times he looked like the only one that was kind of carrying carrying the team forward. At times, you know, I, th- I think Bruno had a bit of an off day at the office, uh, as did Maguire, Actually, I think we should highlight Maguire's performance because it's very very rare that you see a a, a skipper like Harry Maguire, um have an off day at the office, and that's what that's what he did have. You know, he, get, he was the one who gave the ball away for Armstrong to run in and should have slotted it past De Gea for those for all the three points for Saints. Um, and De Gea definitely, you know, saved his skipper from some abuse because that would have been some that would have been uh, quite the capitulation at the back there if, if uh, that was to go in. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. To be
0: fair. I think that in the second half, especially things just got a little bit sloppy. Uh, we got the goal, we were on top, and then things started getting a bit sloppy. Passes were a bit too relaxed. We were going out of play. They weren't on target. And now that gets on top of you, and especially, like you mentioned, with fans in the stadiums. The one thing that did make me laugh is obviously Southampton with yet another team to be affected by this ticketing nightmare when fans are trying to access stadiums. But if any Manchester United fans were impacted by that, then I would love to hear it. Not to hear the story, but just to hear from you and give us your opinion on what happened if you missed the game or anything like that. Now, there's one thing that I just want to address. Two games into the season, this is the third episode of your Manchester United Fix. So we are at the start of the season, and I just want to don't want to dismiss that a win and a draw is a bad start. But is this ideal? With If you look at the fixtures that Manchester United were given at the start of the season, you'd look at that and you'd think, right, that's a great opportunity to have a fantastic start, hit the ground running, get 10 in the bag already. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think... Many fans online would have been saying, oh, that should be six wins from six. But it never that never happens, really, you know, unless you are in, in one of those unbelievable runs of form in the form of your life. Uh, that that very, very rarely happens. But like you said, they've got some favourable uh, favorable fixtures coming up. Wolves will not be as easy as it looks on paper. Uh, Wolves will be a very tough game. They played very, very well against Tottenham Hotspur this afternoon. But they, they you know, hot. Spurs managed to come away there with a one-nil victory, but only because of a penalty. Remember, you know, and uh, even even that that had a bit of controversy behind it. Uh, so, so Wolves won't be a, won't be a won't be a blowout to say the least. And then it's uh, Newcastle at home, followed by Aston Villa at home. And Aston Villa have caused Manchester United some some big problems uh, in in recent years at Old Trafford. You know, most notably and most recently the uh, Jack Grealish screamer um, in front of the Stretford end, which probably convinced quite a few United fans that United should be going all out for him. But obviously he's joined Manchester City now, so they haven't got to worry about him against Aston Villa in a few weeks' time. But there was another one also last year, it was New Year's Day against Villa, uh, which were Manchester United scraped past uh, the Villains 2-1, I think it was, on, on, on New Year's Day. And uh, even that had a Eric Bailly Ninety-fourth minute, kung fu flying kick off the line to save that victory. Um, so, so Villa will be Villa will be a tough, tough fixture, and I think I think probably Newcastle over the next few games will be the one where United will kind of smell smell blood and and will want to put a few few past Steve Bruce's side. So, what do you make of that in terms
0: of the start for Ollie? doesn't make a difference because two games in personally from my point of view it doesn't make a difference whether or not you're going to go and win on and win the league if you lose your first two then it's a
1: different situation but a win and a draw
0: is almost as good as two wins.
1: Yeah, I would say it's not something you, you know, I think we're probably analysing it a bit too much for the first two games, to be honest, but that's what we have to do, isn't it? Um, so, uh, I mean, it just depends because we've seen Premier Leagues be won by one or two points, you know, and if, if that's the that's the goal for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side, then, which it should be and it will be, uh, to win the Premier League, and if if that's an achievable goal, then that they will have they might need those extra two points coming into the final stretch in May. Um, but yeah, like you said, if there was if there was two losses and you had zero points on the board, I mean it's already yeah you know the best example of that is Arsenal. You know Arsenal have now lost two of their their first two, uh, and considering they've spent the most in in the entire transfer window, then that's looking very bad. And there was booze at halftime for Mikel Arteta's side this afternoon. Um, I don't think the Old Trafford faithful would be booing only gonna Solsha had he lost his second game of the season after two tough teams, you know, for Arsenal to play. I think maybe Arteta's getting a bit too much stick there, but you know he's playing. Played, uh, on the, he played the opening game of the season. He was the, he, the Arsenal was the first team to play uh, on that Friday night. They played a, a Brentford side that hadn't been in the Premier League for 75 years. Uh, Not to mention, fans hadn't seen their new stadium. They hadn't seen their team in a a football match for over a year and a half at at, at full capacity. Uh, He had a COVID COVID, um, just surging through the squad. Uh, and and then he had to face a, a Chelsea side that splashed four hundred million pounds in the past three years, and they've just added Romelu Lukaku, and Ben White's out with COVID or, or not COVID or an, in- an illness. So I don't think he's had it very easily. And these Arsenal fans are straight onto Arteta's back. I think that I think it's very very tough and harsh to say the least. Uh, but they sit 19th, and that that's what the fans will look at. But they won't listen to anything I've just said. They will they will hear the words. They are second bottom in the Premier League, <laughs> that is what they will hear.
0: Well despite your deep, deep, deep sadness for Arsenal <laughs> position that they have landed themselves in. Yeah, I think we hit the nail on the head yet yeah, again when you said two games in, I think we're analyzing analysing this analysing this way, way too much. And it is the beginning of a new season, as we've seen with the other Manchester United teams, the women's team, they've been up in Scotland doing their pre season journey. They beat Rangers five nil on Thursday. Captain Zellum with two amazing goals. One set piece and one from outside the air. And they're looking really, really strong under Matt this season. And obviously Tuesday was the Burnley game. I actually managed to catch the second half of that. And I saw Garner, Kovar, Hannibal and Phil Jones came on, to be fair, in that second half. And it was, again, interesting. And one thing that made me think from that, obviously you can't watch games like that and think... Oh, it's interesting how they're playing there looking at burnley or they don't play like that on a saturday it was none of that it was more just get out there go run for 60 minutes and then i'll bring you off get your fitness up and it sort of showed where the bar is at to play to have that obviously there's not been much of a pre so to kind of continue that preseason once the season has started it's very interesting concept it isn't sort of like let's take it easy now count on the games on the weekend champions league starts soon cup midweek fixtures are going to continue soon they're setting up now saying look we're playing two games a week it's not going to begin then and carry on it's going to end when it did in may june and pick up in august september and they're going to continue that all the way through which i think is quite an important important step if you're going to be relying on playing midweek football all the way through the season
1: yeah you know playing midweek football whether you're playing on a Wednesday and a Saturday, or in some cases a Thursday, or Sunday, um, you and the, the squad depth has to be has to be there, and, 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 um has to be there for for the for the manager to be able to pick different players. Because realistically, if you're playing tuesday saturday wednesday then you know that's a lot of fixtures a lot of playing time uh, in in a short period uh period of time so it's not 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 the best situation to be in but at the same time you want to be in these competitions you know manchester united are one of the biggest clubs in the world they want to be playing on the main stage in the champions league uh week in week out and they want to do they want to get a lot further than they did last year and um I think next week's pod might actually be very interesting. I think the uh, Champions League draws this week, is it, or is that next week? I'm not too sure. We'll have to we'll have to check on that because that'll be an interesting one to because then we can start to analyze who Manchester United are playing in the Champions League. Because I think I think Solskjaer, there's there'll be some pressure on him to uh, get out of the group stage and and make it to at least the quarter finals this year. I think that'll be that'll be one of on, on one of his uh, targets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the draw is usually
0: before the first international break, which is, of course, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and I'm going to say it now. I've been saying it to a few people who have been working with or whether have just been watching the football with them. I, I do think United are going to go far in the Champions League. I'm, I'm even going to say that they're going to win the Champions League because compared to the Premier League, it doesn't take the best team in the competition to win it. But if you're the best team on the day, you will win it. So i'm just going to leave that there let it settle let that seed and let that blossom nicely but let's move on to the other action this weekend obviously on friday the under 23s were down at Stamford bridge playing chelsea which ended in a 1-1 draw which was very interesting because if you watch the game chelsea had a man set off sent off in the 60th minute and you thought from that point onwards tonight we're going to capitalize here no chelsea then went on to score a penalty in the 74th minute United was saved by Alvaro Fernandez, who'd, have, who'd played an absolute blind role all night went on, took two players on into the area, an absolute bullet across the keeper into the right first netting, I couldn't believe it he deserved that goal so, so much but moving on to the edge, Saturday morning under-18s played Liverpool in the second game of their under-18s Premier League North unfortunately, it was quite a heavy defeat, they lost 5-0 after losing 3-0 to City the week before But it's a new team, it's a young team, it's under a new management. And I think that they're just going to have to wait and play some easy fixtures and find their feet in that league, whereas the Liverpool side they were playing, they were beasts, they didn't look like they were 18. They looked older than I was, stood watching. I couldn't believe it. So I don't think, I saw a few people sort of getting on their backs, giving them sick on Twitter and the likes of that, but I think they're a young side. And they've got to to develop, a lot of them, 15, 16, so give them
1: time you can't get on these kids backs when they're 15 16 what good does that do no especially i mean like you said some of them are giants you know i was i was reporting for wolves academy on saturday and i think it was the under 18s as well and they are some of them just ginormous you know they you know because you're like i don't know whether you, it's similar for you when you're reporting on united academy but you're right up on the pitch aren't you you are so close you're literally yeah. on the touchline you can like when they run straight past you you're like Wow, like you're fifteen. <laughs> There's no way that like you are looking right up towards them, aren't you? Uh, and they'll have full grown beards as well. Like I didn't have a, I didn't have a bit of facial hair at fifteen. Did you? I, mean, I didn't have any. Did you? I can't even go <laughs> twenty-two.
0: Well, it's not even that. That it's not as if everyone's huge or anything like that. There are people there who are sixteen and they look sixteen. Yeah. So yeah if not younger. Feet, they maybe don't look sixteen. But the size difference between them versus... It's like when Lukaku was 12. and There's that picture of him playing when he was 12, or however old he was, with all his other teammates who look about five years younger <laughs> at the time. It is literally like there was a couple of Liverpool players that were so tall, and they just pull you off the ball every time they got it. But there was, there was a few new starts in there, to be fair. Manny Norquette, I've not seen him many times this season or last season. Logan, Pye, Fredrickson. There was quite a few players there that were obviously new to that standard of football. And it'll take a bit of time. It's Manchester United, are a good team.
1: Under good management, they know what they're doing. What about with the Academy? Do you notice that they try and follow a sort of all the Solskjaer type of playing style? Like It's it's very interesting.
0: I'd say the under eighteens is a bit of a step below that at the moment, replicating what the first team is producing. But one thing that really caught my mind is that Matt Skinner, the new manager of Manchester United women's team, has been in touch with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer quite a lot. And I think that's brilliant. I saw that in an interview, Mark had said I sent him an email on or late on a Friday night and Ole replied to him within 20 minutes. And he said it's something he didn't expect, but he said it's nice to be able to share ideas between the different teams. And that's obviously the same as the 23s. If they're going to pick players out of there, then they're going to go up. So obviously, it's very tight-knit, and that's what you want with your club. You want to see it tight-knit, ideas being shared across the mall. And especially, I know you mentioned the academy, but I saw I see it more in the women's. They try and they, The football that they play is incredible. And you might see sometimes that they've conceded a few goals, but that will be because of the football they are playing. Every time they play out from the back, And it's so good to see some of the players that they've got in there are built for that. Zellum is so good at receiving the ball at her feet and turning with it and picking out that pass first time. And it's absolutely incredible to see. But especially with the academy, I'd say more the under 23s, they stick to playing that style of football. Whereas the under 18s, maybe under Travis, they will play that football. Last season, I know that it's more just about proving yourself as a player, playing that football, but also proving yourself, you're still a young age group you've still got to show what you've got whereas the under 23s is a lot more about the style of football you're being played what you've got to play if you can't come and fit into that style of football then you'll go out and do other things elsewhere but yeah very good question very good question but i think in the under 18s is just that step below at the moment so next up for the 23s they've obviously got manchester city at home which is one hell of a game for them as city won the league last year and well, they're gonna be difficult to knock off the perch this season. And the under eighteens of course are away at Leeds United, so it doesn't get any easier for them either. And then you look at the first team away at Wolves, we know that one as well. So that's the end of my Academy slash women's review. Back to Brad. Brad, next week Wolves Away, what we thinking.
1: It- yeah, Wolves Away it's always an interesting one going to Molyneux, you know. Uh, I think I think it got voted the worst away section in the country. Uh, it is one of the one of the hardest places to get an atmosphere going uh, as an away supporter. Uh, I actually have I've actually been in the away section on a on a Norwich City away day. Don't don't tell me what don't ask me why, but uh, I, I was I was a part of the Daniel Farkas Green. Green and yellow army one day, uh, and we we were watching uh, wolves, and uh, the, the, it did not it did not get a going. I mean, it didn't help that they got battered three nil. But you just can't make an atmosphere because they spread you out across. Uh, one of the um, as you as you see it on TV, the far side, uh, the bottom tier is the away end, uh, and you spread across the 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 width of the pitch, so you're so far away from each other. You know how like. Um, noise seems to like travel high and it rises. Like, um, so when away, like the um, Etihad or, or Old Trafford, you know, you, you're kind of like higher together, you go up together rather than being spread. Um, yeah, that, the, the Wolves' ground is, is, is terrible for getting getting away noise going. But back to football, uh, that you know, Wolves playing a 3 4 um, that, that'll mainly be a five against manchester united i think uh, and that'll be very difficult for united to break down we saw it on sunday against southampton where united did struggle at times to break them down so i think it will will at times be difficult against wolves uh but prediction wise i still think united should be coming away from molyneux with three points and any anything less anything less than that is is another disappointing result um and one thing that they failed to do this weekend was build on Build on the great performance against Leeds. Like, oh, that will all be forgotten now. That that super performance, uh, and, and they'll want they'll want to get rid of the Saints' performance, the Saints' results, and, and and get the get the ball rolling again with with three points against Wolves next weekend. Absolutely, I'm going
0: to predict a win as well. I'm going to go with two-one Manchester United. I'm not even going to question your hooliganism with Norwich City and Daniel Farker. <laughs> yeah. If you do have any questions about the podcast, any predictions about next week's game, do get in touch, email us, find us on Twitter at your Manchester United fix. And thank you for listening. Have a lovely week and enjoy the football.